1: It's time for the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's quarters every week, right here on BallQuest. Hey, good Thursday morning, everybody. Eric Kane, Rob Lewis, Brent Hubs, and Austin Price here on the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast, presented each and every week by our friends, Exterior Home Solutions. Whatever the case may be, you want some renovations, siding, windows, roof, decking, additions, maybe, Uh, whatever the case may be for you, give Exterior Home Solutions a call. They can help you out. A free estimate, 865-524-5888, or find them online at exteriorhomesolutions.com. Busy week for Tennessee football. Media day was on Tuesday. First practice was yesterday. Practice number two coming up here later this morning. And uh, with that, bring some questions, and we'll start with 615 Vol. Jordan Thomas, is he going to be a factor this year other than special teams, Austin Price? I, I do think he's going
2: to play in the back end now. Does that mean two series of game, Hubs? Does that mean full starts? I I don't know. I don't think any of us know at this point. But I do think that uh, he will be more of a factor in the back end than he was a year ago and and be more than just a special teams guy. Yeah, I think it all depends on, you know, how
0: open is really that competition at the safety spot, Rob. You know, I think Wesley Walker's got one of them nailed down. If he stays healthy, the question is, how big of a competition is that or isn't it at the other spot with Jay? McCullough and somebody else. Um, That's, that's the unknown. I think Jordan Thomas has got the ability to play. Um, He needs to show himself, excuse me, in the fall. He needs to show himself in fall camp. Uh, But, but there's no doubt he's got some talent to be able to help Tennessee in the back end.
3: Yeah. I mean, we we saw day one of, of, of camp on Wednesday. I don't want to make too much of it at all. It just, you saw, we saw a little bit of 11 on 11 work. And I mean, it, Judging from that, it looks like it's an open competition at safety. I mean, they it didn't it didn't appear that guys were just penciled in because they had started there in the past or you know played a lot of football in the, for Tennessee in the past.
1: Yeah, whereas you know the who the two you know linebackers are going to be the first snap of the game, you know pretty much the the bulk of that defensive line, even though it's very rotational. Um, secondary, I think it's open competition season, and it might end up being the same guys. But again, I'll I'll continue to go back and say, can you play more? That way, if someone's getting beat, you don't have to keep them out there. We'll have to find out. Uh, Smoky Man Fifteen wants to know who took advantage of summer conditioning, who passed the eye test uh, in day one. Brent Hubbs?
0: Well, those linebackers for for sure. I mean, Arian Carter and Jeremiah T- uh, were I mean, they look like upperclassmen running around out there. So they 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 caught my eye. Dominic Bailey looked as good as he's ever looked in, in a Tennessee uniform, um, you know, going, running around on the practice field. Uh, th- those two jumped out at me. I think Ethan Davis uh, looks the part. Um, I, I think Ethan Davis may be the most important newcom- freshman newcomer on this team for this fall because I think he has to play. I, I don't think it's a situation where necessarily you're going to try to ease him into it. I, I think he's got to be ready – you know, from the jump, given their lack of depth at the tight end position, I think I said that in a two-minute drill, and I'll probably beat that point home a little bit. I think he's really vital for Tennessee. I, I thought he he looked apart. I mean, uh, overall, Rob Austin, you guys jump in, and, and I know there's all this talk about two years ago and all that stuff. I mean, they lost thirty guys two years ago. They should look different. But even to the casual observer out there, the buzz on on Wednesday on the practice field was it's a better-looking football team, and I think we all
2: agree upon that, right? hundred uh, percent, Rob. I mean, for years and years and years, everybody wrote about the strength coach. Nobody writes about Kurt. And I don't know if there's been a strength coach do as good a job since John Stuckey. I mean, like, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, maybe Johnny long, cause he, you know, kind of that same, that same family. But I mean, like this guy has transformed bodies better than anybody on this campus in a long time. I mean, not just the freshmen, but I mean, the guys that have, have been here I mean everybody looks drastically different they're putting on the right kind of weight it's not like they're getting like fatty muscles like they're, they're like they're staying lean but being ripped I mean it's it's really impressive to kind of see some of the transformations
3: yeah I mean and I think you can see it in a lot of positions I mean just and, and a lot of us young I mean who knows you know what, what kind of impact it's going to Make, but just like Hubbard's talking about the eye test, you can see the edges with, you know, Pierce and Josephs being a year in the program. Caleb Herring looks like a long-limbed SEC ed- edge guy. I mean, Dante, you don't think about fi- receiver being a physical pos- position, but, I mean, Dante Thornton is a dude. I mean, that that guy jumps out at me. Like, like Hubbard said, Ethan Davis. I mean, Okoye is, you know, in- just incredibly raw. But, I mean, he's another guy that – that that jumps out at, at you physically. I mean Elijah Heron and Caleb Perry you know a year in the in the weight room. Those, those two guys look like you know thumpers, SEC linebackers. I mean it's and you can just keep on going down the list.
1: Khalifa Keith looked good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're
2: right. I mean it, it, he I mean Cam seldom me knew was big. Keith I think everybody thought okay, that's kind of a bowling ball, but dude, he's ripped. Yeah. I mean like I mean, you know He's been doing body by Jake or something over the offseason. I mean, he's, he's, he looks drastically different.
1: Tyree Weathersby as well. Of course, he wasn't here in spring. Um, uh, We'll move on in a moment, but uh, going back to Emmanuel Coyier, uh, you know, day one, it you know, was a late signee, you know, wasn't here in spring and all that. Uh, Austin, I just looked at him. First time I seen him in person this weekend, he just looked like an edge guy to me. I know he's playing tight end, and they'll figure it out down the line, but he's long. Uh, he, he looked like an edge guy to me.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be the natural reaction because, you know, he was labeled as an edge slash tight end, right? Yeah. And Tennessee needs the help at tight end now because as, the you know, as Hubs specifically, and you know, I, I think astutely said, you know, Ethan Davis and his importance, just because Tennessee's so thin there. But you never know when you may have to turn to an Emmanuel Coyier, um in some form or fashion. I mean, probably not. I mean, just because he's so super raw and they can enroll with a couple of those guys that are walk-ons turned, you know, serviceable guys. Ahead of him, but you know, still, I mean, he is a freak athlete, and uh, you know, if he can pick up the route running, if he can pick up the ability to to catch the ball with his hands, um, you know, I mean, who knows? I mean, he's definitely got uh, a, a certain look to him, and I think everybody's—you're right—everybody's going to look at him and go, "Oh, the guy comes off the edge."
1: Yeah, this will go the to you with this one. About we'll go ahead, Brent. Brent. The interesting thing about
2: a court
0: he put on a football for the first time about 6 or 7 months ago. I mean, the, the guy's never played essentially never played football. I mean, he, he is he's this was his first time practicing on a field with hash marks in his career because he's only played football for about 6 months. So, I mean, the the learning curve for him outside of the physical stuff is as drastic as we've seen anybody have a learning curve uh, coming into it to a football program. I mean, Jakob Johnson played American football. He played a, high, a year of high school football, uh, even though he was a part of NFL Europe over there. And and Constantine Ritzman was an exchange student who played a year of American football. This has not been the case with Okoye. So there's a huge, steep learning curve for him. Mentally, we'll see how quickly he adjusts to that stuff as they dive into football here. I'd imagine his head swimming big time this week.
2: It's like when we brought Grant Ramey from 24-7 to on three i mean there, there's just a learning curve learning curve
1: <laughs> someone in He's the, uh, every for, the for, <laughs> for two weeks in a row has said is is asked the question how much of a blessing is it to work with grant ramey every single day i love the uh, persistence grant it, told me to it, say that it's the worst thing in the world to move on so. it,
2: it's 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 a huge blessing the best is when grant pulls that dry sense of humor out like you know and he kind of gives you that kind of smirk like i you," gotcha, you know
1: all right, let's go to the seven maxims. What's your best guess on what the offensive line looks like this year? Do we see a huge drop off with the departures of Jerome Carvin and Darnell Wright? Rob, day one, there was some mixing and matching, but I think the biggest, one of the biggest takeaways from day one, Gerald Mincy was running with the twos on the left side while it was J.J. Crawford and Dane Davis on the right side.
3: Yeah, that's the biggest takeaway. I mean, everybody's looking at that, you know, that right tackle spot to see how it's going to shake out. And, and um, you know that, that makes some sense to me, you and I'm and I'm sure they'll cross train, you know, some some of those guys. But you know, with with Mincy having played there, you know, last year, I, I I thought it was odd to move both those guys. I mean, when you did have Dane Davis, who you know who had played some before, but um, yeah, John Campbell out there out there at left tackle, it looks like they're you know hoping that he's going to be a plug and play guy. Um, Ollie Lane at, at that one guard spot that. You know, I think I know Brent's been saying for a while he thought that would, that's how that one was gonna work out. Uh, but you know the, the answer to answer the one part of the question, I mean, no no disrespect to you know Jeremiah Crawford or anybody else. But yeah, I mean, Darnell Wright was the, the tenth overall pick in the draft. There's gonna be a drop-off at, at right tackle. <laughs> I
0: think there's gonna be a drop-off at guard, because I think Jerome Carvin was yeah. undervalued because of his durability and he could also swing over and play center. He, he was tough, hard-nosed, physical football player. So, I mean, there's, you know, we'll see what they grow and mesh into, no no question. I mean, Sprague should be better. We think, you know, May should even be better than he's been. Uh, but to, to fill those two holes, I mean, I think Jerome carter gonna a shot him making the Chiefs roster. And Darnell Wright uh, um, is a freak athlete who is, has turned himself into a great football player. I mean, that was, I mean, Austin called that one. That's, that's Austin. For a long time, ago. I mean, everybody kind of jokes about it, the fact that he he did the wide receiver workout, which is that he messed that up. But what's even more impressive is that he crushed the wide receiver conditioning out the Chicago Bears at 325 pounds or whatever his weight is right now. Tells you how freak of an athlete that guy is. They're going to miss that athletic ability and his play for sure.
3: Yeah, they you know, are. The, I'm, I'm, the, Ahead, I'm ahead. sorry just stating the obvious but it, it, it's an incredible luxury when up front you never ever have to worry about giving a guy help ever I mean it's just you you just, you just don't worry about that one spot even you know even if you're you know playing against a first round NFL draft pick at the SEC on the edge as you are you know a lot of Saturdays I mean Tennessee never had to worry about giving darnell right help
2: yeah and, and the, the one thing I think you have to remember here is a year ago you know darnell's playing the right side so like, in theory, like, they may not be as good on the right side, but Campbell, I think, has the potential to definitely be better than where they were on the left side a year ago at left tackle. So it just may – it may the, – the, the strength of the line may shift, right? You know, I mean, last year it was kind of fairly steady. You had Darnell, who was just such an anchor on the right side. But Carvin was at left guard, so it kind of balanced it out a little bit. Does it kind of tip back more to the left side this year if Campbell is who they hope he is?
1: Let's go to Sport of all awesome this is for you. Two and a half is the number over under the commitments for the month of August.
2: Under. <laughs> that's easy. I mean, like, you know, I mean, if everything went perfect, I'm not sure they get to the three. Yeah. And that's, you know, with you know Winary coming off the board and then, you know, Amari Jefferson's got his decision. But, again, I mean, nothing's changed there for me with, with with AJ. So, I mean, you know, I don't see, you know, Koye's not coming off the board right now. Jordan Rossett coming off the board right now. I, I Ryan Wingo continues to insist he's going to go till December. I think there's an outside shot that changes. And, and you know, he he does something at some point before December. But, you know, we'll see. Again, like I think he could say, okay, I'm going to commit next Tuesday, and by next Tuesday he could go, yeah, I'm back to December. Because if you look at Jordan Ross, he's kind of been like, you know, I'm going to go earlier, then I'm going all the distance, then I'm going earlier, than I'm going the distance, a lot of waffling. Um, I just don't think there's going to be that many guys decide in August they could get over two and a half.
1: Let's say with you, Austin, got a couple of recruiting ones here from Athrun. Uh, what is the total number of high school uh, kids taken in this recruiting class? Would you would you guess? I don't know because I don't,
2: and, and it doesn't matter because the number's 88. What well, if, if you're going off the number of 83 or 82, because you know, they got self imposed, but I mean, that's the number. Like it doesn't matter how many they take. Um, it, it's just, you know, they could take 32, they could take 22. Um, I, I think it's probably somewhere between 22 and 25. I think it depends on who wants in. Hubs, I mean, like you know, they get the right one or two guys, give them a buzz, get the right one or two guys jump in. Um, they're not going to turn away good players uh, because they don't have to, and they can you know make the decision on you know scholarship availability after this season.
0: Well, and also you know you got guys leaving your program, um, you got guys you could encourage to leave your pro- program. <laughs> you can say, hey, we got more. We got more guys we, who want in. We're going to take high school more than we are. That's all about that catchphrase right now. And and that number is, is such a fluid number. Nobody can answer that question right now.
1: All right. Thoughts on where Tennessee stands with Chris Cole?
2: Um, You know, I, they've done enough to be in it. Um, I don't think they've done enough to this point to say that they're the favorite. Um, I think that that you know they continue to you know you know move in in, in a positive direction with him. But again, like I I don't think that by any stretch of the imagination. I think I put like fifty percent in the in the chat. You know that's based off of you know. I think it's Tennessee or Georgia, but I mean, there are some people that swear that that, that he doesn't care to make that, you know, that trip to Miami and his mom will go watch him play down there in Miami. And if that's the case, then you can't discount the Canes because, you know, they do have a tendency to swing big on a, you know, know, on a player or two in each class and, you know, sometimes, you know, they're going to land.
1: All right. If uh, Amari Jefferson goes to Alabama as expected, is there another wide receiver targets Tennessee gets in with that's not named Ron Wingo? It's Cam
2: Michael. You know, Matt said that in the Monday night chat, and that, that's absolutely accurate. That would be that would be the uh, fourth guy, you know, based off, let's say that Tennessee was able to do enough to land Ron Wingo, the potential fourth guy would be Cam Michael. And otherwise, I think they just go to the portal.
3: And AP, I mean, doesn't Georgia want him as a, as a DV? They do. That's right, Ron. I mean, I mean, I remember talking to Matt, you know, I guess after the Memorial Day thing, and, I mean, he doesn't really play – I mean, he primarily plays offense in high school. man. I just wonder how big of a factor that is.
2: I mean, I think he would prefer to play offense. Um, but there is that allure to stay in state and play for the two-time defending sure. national champion. So, you know, I guess, I guess, you know, what wins out? The position that you'd like to play or just, you know, being closer to home, you know, staying in state, the play in a position that you are okay with, but, you know, it's not your first love.
1: We'll go next now to Uptown Vol. What are your next movements in conference expansion, realignment, Brent Hubbs?
0: Well, I think the question is, all right, I'm going to take the Pac-12 out of the equation because that doesn't affect the SEC. But that conference is uh, – I don't care what – there, I mean – Unless you're Oregon and you want to be, you know, one of the last, you know, last ones on the sinking ship, hoping you get the automatic playoff berth. I mean, at some point, you know, if that conference is not big enough, are they going to continue to get an automatic playoff berth? I think you got to wonder. It depends on what all happens there, but with the Pac-12, I think the biggest, the biggest question for SEC fans in terms of conference alignment is what happens with the ACC. Are people going to are, are schools member institutions of that league really going to get out of their deal? Are they really going to be able to pay the astronomical fee it is to get out of that? Um, if so, then does the SEC target some of those schools? I know Greg Sankey has said, hey, you, you know, we're going to be very calculating here and, and all these types of things. Where are they with some of the potential available ACC schools if those guys can really get out? Now, the question is, are those schools going to be able to pay that kind of fee to, to get out of the conference, which seems like an astronomical.
2: Well, you've got, hover. you've got, you know, on, on Wednesday, you had Dan Wetzel at Yahoo come out and say that the Big Ten has begun preliminary talks with Cal, Stanford, Washington, and Oregon. And that, elip- that would seemingly eliminate some of those ACC talks that, that everybody was talking about late last week, if that's the case. So that would be interesting because then that basically means that Six of the Pac-12 <laughs> would be going headed to the Big Ten, and then you got Arizona and Colorado. It looks like they're headed to the Big Twelve, and that thing's just obliterated to pieces at that point. Um, so it does. Then it yeah, does. It, what happens with the ACC? Yeah, and Rob, I, the, the whole the whole
0: Pac-12 West Coast schools going to the Big Ten just just remains a head scratcher to me. Now I, they're just looking for a place to land, and the Big Twelve's got. A big tv contract so i get on the financial rewards and the pac-10 the pac-12 lacks leadership which is causing this thing to fall apart but but man what how cost inefficient is it for an athletic department to play the bulk of their game you know in middle america or on the east coast when your your home school is sitting somewhere in the middle of california i mean how much money is cal going to spend to play volleyball and 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 baseball and basketball just to travel you know to to play you know to play in that conference it's not just about football it's all the other expenses i mean it's it's got to be astronomical what the travel is going to be for usc and ucla moving into the big 10 already
3: yeah that's the point i was going to bring up over is it's not i mean football i mean it's a long road trip to go from you know cal to rutgers but you know (laughs) <laughs> that, that's gonna. I mean, that's gonna pay for itself. But I mean, how much sense does it make to fly? Like how was saying, fly the volleyball team from you know from Berkeley to New Jersey, you know, to play a, a game that you know there's going to be maybe hundred hundred people in the gym. Uh, I mean, that's the kind of. I mean, you know, I, it's all about football. I totally get that, but it's you know, if you're talking about the big picture for the student athlete, man, there are going to be some headaches.
2: I just kind of envision it, Rob. Like they're going to take all the secondary sports and put them on the plane, like the, the Cleveland Indians rode on on Major League, and then it was in the, the storm. And like you know, it's just like, just some clunker. Yeah, mean, get in there, guys! Gotta get there as cheap as we can.
0: You get into some weather stuff, but you're going to have you have Kevin's mom with John Candy in the back of a rental van trying to get home to 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 see to see them because you know you got a weather factor in the winter time with those sports that. that that the, the Pac-12 has never had to deal with before, too. I mean, you know, you, you got to get to you got to get to East Lansing. You got to get to wherever in the Big Ten in, in January. It's not always the easiest case. So there's just a lot of variables there that that I think. I'm surprised at this because we've seen West Virginia, said, you know, we made a mistake going to the Big. Ten. But it's so cost inefficient to do this. There's no loyalty. Our our fans aren't into big wealth because we're kind of the outcast on the other part of the country. But, again, where are those schools on the West Coast supposed to go if the Pac-12 can't get a TV deal and can't put anything together financially to keep a conference together? I, I'm surprised maybe the Mountain West or somebody hasn't tried to, to swing in there and get one of those. I just, I guess they just can't offer enough money to justify doing that.
2: The Kenosha Kickers hubs—they're very big in Sheboygan. <laughs> but I know you would
3: play. See, it. This well is, played. I mean, I just want—I mean, I, it's not the, the volleyball—you know—Cal volleyball going to Rutgers is not not going to be the reason this happens. But I wonder, Huber, if you guys—if you add a lot, lot of that stuff up about how inefficient and, and unfair it is to the students of the non-revenue-producing sports to you know have to play a conference like that. I wonder if this isn't like the, the first little baby step on football kind of breaking away because, you know, and you know, the Pac-12 stayed intact for, you know, volleyball, baseball, softball. But then they're, they're in like this football super conference and, you know, the same thing for, you know, elsewhere around the country. I, I can, I mean, I, I think this is, I mean, I think we all feel like it's headed that way. I just don't know if the NCAA goes away completely or if it's just football that, that breaks away.
2: Well, it's like the it's like the high school team that is 5A in football, you know, which would be triple A normally in, in basketball, but then somehow it's only 2A in basketball and they play totally different teams. You know, they play these massive schools in football and then they play kind of more moderate teams in in, in basketball. I mean, I, you know, I, I I don't know if that's something that can happen, um, but I mean it just so much of this just screams it, it, it's got super, super massive flaws and holes in it because of the travel of, of all these other sports. Not that they drive the train, but, you know, you know, because of Title IX and everything else, they're not going away either. So, I mean, like, you know, you're going to make those volleyball teams work and the golf team work and all that stuff, and it just becomes more of a, a head-scratcher, I think.
1: we got plenty more questions to get into, and uh, we got a lot of football camp recruiting questions, but first – a word from our proud sponsors, Exterior Home Solutions. Exterior Home Solutions will make one family's dream come true. Do you know a family in need of a new roof?
2: Maybe it's leaking or needs repaired.
1: Whatever the needs may be, Exterior Home Solutions is going to give one lucky family Exterior Home Makeover. To nominate a family that you think is deserving, simply go to the website at exteriorhomesolutions.com makeover and you can make your nomination there.
0: It's Sear Your Home Solutions wants
2: to give the gift of home to one lucky family. Kick tubs out. If you don't know who the Kenosha Kickers are, that they're big in Sheboygan, can't be on this podcast. All right, Kane, keep going with the questions.
1: I missed Anarius Moore wants to know who in this recu- who in this recruiting class do you think's in for a big senior season bump? I've already uh, saw that Jeremiah's heard got a pop with on three. Do you expect anybody to rise like Nathan Leacock?
2: I mean, I think Gage Ginther will, um, you know, uh, you know, and we'll, and we'll see, like, I'm not sure that there's some massive riser. You gotta remember, I mean, like, you know, most of the class are, you know, four or five star guys. There's a couple that aren't. And, you know, they're probably more along the lines of guys who, you know, are projects that have the size or the speed or whatever, but, you know, don't play, you know, uh, in a great conference in high school and, there's some questions about you know that type of stuff, so I mean I'm not sure there's going to be some big massive jump like there was last year with Arion Carter, David Hobbs, uh, you know some of those guys last year that kind of went from you know way out there to boom five star status.
3: Yeah, I mean this, AP, this is way more your jam than mine, but I and, and I'm not talking about guys going from three to four or five stars, but just you know Marcus Gorey being you know out, outside the 300, Spillman. Outside three hundred and, and and Boo Carter, I, I could see those guys, you know, getting a pop. But again, they're they're already as AP pointed out, they're already four star dudes.
2: Well, and, and and you know, with Boo, I mean, like, you know, Boo went from playing, you know, double A private, which is just an OK league, triple A private ridiculous, double A private's just an OK league, to now playing in six A. You know, what what does he do in that league? Because his the schedule, week in week out, is going to be tougher than what he had at. at you know, Chattanooga Christian. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of interested. If he if he does what I think he's capable of doing, then he should go back up in the rankings because his senior film against really decent competition will be pretty good.
1: You know, I really hate that we had to get rid of hubs for the second half of this podcast because this question is for him. It's from Rocky Top Team. I think we win in the swamp. We're looking at nine wins or more. If we lose, I don't think we reach nine. I know everyone's saying we should win at Florida, but I'll believe it when I see it. Thoughts?
2: Well, I mean, how can you argue that, Rob? I mean, yeah. they've not won there since 2003. I was still in college. Kane was like six. And, you know, I think he was 10. But, like, I, you know, you know, and, and, Rob, I think you had more pepper and less salt in your hair then. So, I mean, like, you know, I mean,
3: <laughs> a long that time ago. My, that was and Hubbard's first go-around together, 2003.
2: Yeah, a long time ago.
3: Casey Clawson. Is that the, Casey Clawson to James Banks' halftime Hill That's no. right. Absolutely, I, I think Tennessee. Went, I mean, I just, I, I get it. I mean, I've seen everything AP's seen down there. I mean, my God, I mean, some of those drives back to Orlando, AP, <laughs> that we've made just, you know, two hours of saying, I, "Can you believe we just saw that? Can you believe that oh, just happened?"
2: Listen, the the you know the fourth the fourth and twenty six or whatever was you know and what was, what year was that fifteen, um, and then of course the seventeen Hail Mary. Yeah, that was like I literally said watch this, they're going to throw a Hail Mary. I don't know why I thought that, but I mean, like, you know, I, I said they're going to hit on a Hail Mary. And when the kid caught it, this, this TV guy that covers Florida went and just looked at me and I'm like, dude, I'm like, it, it, they, Florida finds ways to just, you know, they, they slit Tennessee's ankles and Tennessee bleeds out for it, even knows that it was cut on. Like, I mean, like it's, it's, uh it's been mind boggling over the years. Now, again, Different group. These guys, you know, think differently. The Florida players, I think, still, you know, can still see the record and go, we, we own this series. We should win this game. And and they'll play that way. So, I mean, Tennessee's going to have to bring it in the swamp and get over that hump. And if they can win in the swamp this year, going into next year, you have a chance to get a little bit of a winning streak against Florida. And when that happens, then it really changes the, the complexion and, and the arc of the series, in my opinion. Yeah, I,
1: you know, this, I like this might this be season. like a coach speak answer, but yeah, it's your first true road game, and it's it's a it's not week one. I get it, but it's a you know it's one of the first few games of the season. I just think it's Tennessee's most important game. It's it's on the road. All those reasons you just mentioned, your rival, place you don't win at. If you win that game, boy, it, it sends you kind of sprinting down that schedule. If you lose that game, then it's like my god, you still got to play South Carolina to beat you last year, Alabama, Georgia later on the year, Kentucky. So that that's just a massive game, in my opinion. That being Florida in Week Three,
3: I think it's a great time to be playing. I mean, it's it's a great time to be playing Florida early in the season. Yeah, new quarterback in, in merch, a guy who you know was was a long way from being great at, at Wisconsin. Um, you know, some staff turnover down there. They're going to be still early in that. Very unsettled on the offensive line. Uh, I just, I mean, it, it, it's it's if, if you if you don't get it this year in the swamp, then in. You know, there there really is something. You know, Hubs might be onto something, but it's just it's just a house of horrors.
2: Yeah, well, it's been that very much so. I, yeah, if you're a Tennessee fan, you really want Utah to take it to Florida, and 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 cause the finger pointing early on.
1: All right, let's go around the room for this one. Ball for live TP has some preseason over unders. Dante Thornton nine hundred and ninety nine and a half yards over under. I'll say under.
3: I'll say under but it wouldn't shock me. I mean somebody's going to yeah. I mean the short, you know, history tells us somebody's getting a thousand mm-hmm. in, in, at wide out. I'll go with McCoy, but I, I won't be remotely shot if if Thornton Same here. I'm going to go I am going to take the I'm going
2: to take the cop out answer. If he's healthy, I'm going over. The question is is does the hamstring hold up all that stuff like you know, if he stays on the field, I think he does
1: get to there. Brew McCoy, 59 and a half catches. Over. I'll go over. I'll, I'll go over as well. Here's the caveat here. You're talking about Thornton a moment ago. Squirrel White, 549 yards over. receiving. I, I still say over. I,
3: I see over. He had 480 last year as, as yeah. a, a part time guy. And he'll play you know? more this year.
2: Yeah. And, and, and you know, Joe's, they're, they're going to hit a bunch of big pass plays, which means you can rack up big chunk yards. I mean, you got to remember. Like you look at Tennessee's running attack last year. Of course, Hendon you know provided his little dynamic, but like you know, Wright almost got to a thousand. Jabari had his year, but Dylan Sampson had 500 yards last year. Yeah, I mean, like I mean, it's not like he was some you know got 180 Dylan, yards. I mean Dylan like,
3: Sampson averaged over six yards a pop.
2: Yeah, so yeah. I mean, like you know, there's going to be one of the one or two of those games where Squirrel gets for you know 160 yards because he caught three passes or two passes. So yeah, I would go over there. James Pierce, five and a half sacks. Right, two, two unknown. Right now, yeah. I would say under, but only because there's just unknown. He could go for 12 sacks, and it wouldn't phase me. He could get three, and it wouldn't phase me. I don't think any of us know enough to say one way or the other.
3: Yeah, I, I completely agree.
1: Jalen Wright, 11 and a half touchdowns. The I'll under. say the under only because I, I think that he could lead the team in rushing and lead the team in carries. But for some reason, man, they always put in Jabari when you're in the red zone, and Jabari goes in and scores those touchdowns.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm going to go under on that, too.
3: Oh, I'm for sure going under, just because I, I think I think a lot of those guys are going to play. I, I don't know that anybody's getting 12. That's I mean, that's a big – that's a pretty big number.
1: Okay, here, you're going to knock on Wood right here. This one, I think, is the easiest one. Just, just on special teams alone, Aaron Carter total tackles 30 and a half scream the over.
2: Yeah, I agree with that.
1: And then uh team defensive turnovers forced 22 and a half. I believe Tennessee last year, don't quote me, I think Tennessee had 22 last year that it forced. Maybe I know I'm off. Th-
3: I know they had 11 interceptions cuz I just get done using that stat and yeah. In a story. So that I mean that sounds very feasible. I'll go over.
1: I'll say that they they force more than 22 turnovers uh, this football season.
2: I just think they're more talented. And when you put more talent on the field, then that that normally equates to that, right?
1: I agree. Got a couple more here. We'll go to Trillville 7. June and July are now over. Did the Vols land their fair share of big boy battles that they needed to, in your opinion?
2: Yeah, they did. I mean, they, they, I think they missed on a couple um, that I thought that they were, you know, had a good chance to get Ronan O'Connell, I thought would end up here and he, you know, ended up going to Clemson. I thought Braylon Russell would end up here, um, you know, and that ended up getting kind of flipping late, um, you know, but, you know, they, they, they got Bennett Warren done. That's a massive need. They got Mike Matthews done Spillman. I mean, you, you know, you go right down the list. I mean, Tennessee, Won their fair share. Um, now they need to win their fair share the rest of the way. Again, it's, 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 big to me, it's more about kind of always having some momentum instead of being like a, oh, then they got five guys in a six day span and then they didn't get anything for three months. I think you'd rather kind of keep, you know, like let's say they, you know, they, let's say the us played devil's advocate and they, they got one area, right? And then they had like a month and they got a Koye. You know, like it would almost feel like this the momentum just kind of gets keeps getting strung along. You know, maybe it's not area, maybe it's someone else in that role or someone, you know, someone else for a Koye. But like, I think that's the big thing is can you get your fair share from here to the house in December?
1: Let's go uh, to Billing Vall. Um, what was the outlook after Peyton left in 97? Was anyone in the media picking the balls to repeat as SEC champions? Is there an opportunity for this year's team to capture some of that magic in 98, uh, maybe be fighting for a playoff spot like last year? I think the biggest difference, Rob, and I understand the similarities and the parallels here, the biggest difference is, though I think this defense is going to be improved and is deeper and everything's going to take a step just like it did last year, Rob, this is not this is not the 98 defense. That 98 defense was incredible coming back.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no Al Wilson uh, on on this team. I mean, that's an extreme example, but you know, yeah. that's a first round draft pick. I mean, Dwayne Goodrich at corner, Darwin Walker was, you know, an All ACC, no Raynaugh Thompson level player. Yeah, Raynaugh. At
2: least not to this point where they've shown it.
3: Yeah, where, where they've shown it consistently, and you know, and that 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 uh, just. I, I just know. I mean I, biggest I don't think the question
2: so. is is when the twenty thirty eight season rolls around Rob and you and Hubs are like Ted Williams's head, you know, still covering the balls frozen over there, like will will people be saying Phil's like twenty <laughs> three? <think
3: so. laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. No, I mean I, I think this team has a chance. I mean, I th- I think ten and two, you know, maybe you know, eleven and one would be phenomenal regular I mean, season. Lord. if they they shock somebody but i I think i think right now you're getting back to the winning nine and ten games is you know routine and then i I think you know i think the next step is out there and i think this program could make it but i I don't i don't think this is that year
1: all right last one we will end on this one from fort loud and i was surprised to see florida up to number three in the recruiting class currently despite having a new coach not having a great season Sixteen of the twenty-one commits are from outside the state of Florida. Is this NIL historic name recognition or really just good recruiting by Billy Napier?
2: I think some of it is um, good recruiting. I think some of it is some guys that probably have some overinflated rankings, which helps their overall ranking. Um, and you know, Florida's still a sexy brand. Why was Tennessee able to recruit well when they've been below average, you know, in, in Tennessee standards? For the last 15 years you know because they're still tennessee Florida's still florida they're still a name brand i mean like you know and, and for kids they know you know who you know florida is like i mean that's the thing you got to remember i mean a lot of tennessee fans will say well i mean florida didn't get good till spurrier okay but like you know that's not i mean when spurrier got there was 30 years ago it wasn't like it was three years ago so like you know florida still got a lot of name recognition so i mean They're going to recruit well, even if it's from outside the state of Florida. They they still have enough recognition to garner attention from recruits. And right now, they offer the same thing that Tennessee offered all those years, which is opportunity.
1: There's going to be a whole lot of opportunity down in Gainesville, that is for sure. All right, everybody, appreciate you sending in those questions. And uh, every single week right here on Thursday at VaultQuest.com, it's presented by our friends, Exterior Home Solutions, for our free estimates, renovation, roofing siding windows whatever it is you can give them a call at 865-524-5888 or visit them online exteriorhomesolutions.com camp is going on right now we've got so much coverage over com, and if you're listening to this podcast and you're not a member of com, i'm not sure what you're waiting on incredible promo deal right now for camp it's not going to be here long but one dollar For one month or 25% off your first year of your annual subscription, take advantage, strike while the iron's hot, and join us over at VolQuest.com. Brent Hose is here, then he left. Rob Lewis, Austin Price, I am Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys for being here, and have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody. You've been listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VolQuest.